0: You're listening to the weekly podcast by Forest Hill Church. Here you'll find a place to grow in your faith, get to know what the Bible's all about, and hear what it looks like to follow Christ. To watch our services live or find the campus nearest you, visit foresthill.org. If you're a parent, search for our new Forest Hill Parenting Podcast and subscribe to get new content tailored just for you. Hey, everybody. My name is Todd Lesher, and I'm the team lead for family ministries at Forest Hill Church. I want to take a few moments to tell you about family ministry and how it seeks to fulfill the mission of Forest Hill. As a church, we exist to glorify God by making disciples who know Christ, grow in Christ, and go for Christ. Through our kids ministry and our student ministry, we want to focus in on the mission to see more and more kids, students, and families make Jesus the priority of their lives. This is how a disciple of Jesus brings glory to God. Family ministry at Forest Hill represents kids at FHC, our environment for children, birth through fifth grade, and ADVANCE, our environment for students, sixth through twelfth grade. Instead of two isolated ministries, our team is committed to the personal and spiritual growth from cradle to graduation. To do this, we intend to equip parents and empower leaders to influence the life and faith of the next generation. Now, it may sound aspirational, but based off the research by Barna, Over two thirds of people who become Christian do so before they graduate from high school. Now, this obviously doesn't mean that people don't become Christians as adults. They are just more likely to make a lasting personal decision to follow Jesus by the time they turn 18. This is a big deal to us as a church and a major motivator for us in our efforts to see kids and students grow in their faith. We don't want to miss an opportunity instead of replacing the family we want to be a church that joins families in influencing the life and faith of their kids instead of avoiding church we want to be a church that families love to attend the church and the family are two major influences in people's lives and we believe that we can make a greater impact on the life and faith of kids students and families by combining these influences than they would have separately when you take the light of jesus through the church and combine it with the love of the family We will make a lasting impact now into the future and forever we are eternally grateful that you would give us this opportunity and we praise god that you would join us in this movement we are family ministry
1: well thank you for coming to forest hill church one church many locations on this labor day weekend experiencing family Worship Weekend, as well as being able to get an eye view, a bird's eye view of what's going on in our family ministries. We're very honored to be able to do that. As we uh, get ready to kind of close down the series on the, on the job, let me just go ahead and also let you know some of you have been asking questions as far as what our response is to the crisis in Houston because of Hurricane Harvey. And as Carmen alluded to earlier on, the generosity of people like you who continue to give faithfully to our church allows us to be able to impact lives in the city and around the world well, because of your generosity and your faithfulness and in cooperation with one of the greatest emergency response partners that we, that we work with, which is Samaritan's Purse, Forest Hill Church has sent to Samaritan's Purse, for that purpose, $30,000 to help in the relief effort. And again, because of your generosity, so thank you, thank you. In, in, in a real sense, that's a part of our family out there as well, too, but when we go through those kinds of tragedies, and so we're honored and glad to be able to help, and again, thank you for your contributions to that. Also, as I said, we're closing down the, uh, the, the work series on the job this weekend, but next weekend, Marilyn and David Chadwick will actually be on stage to open up a brand new series It's called Valor, based a lot on Marilyn's book that she has just released, Women of Valor, but David and Marilyn will speak to the entire congregation about how we need courage in these particular days, but if you pick up her book, if you purchase her book, make a donation through Moments of Hope, that portions of those donations will also go to the relief effort to, um, for those in Houston because of Hurricane Harvey. So I encourage you not only to get the, the book for yourself, but also in a way that can benefit those that are in that state as well, too. Would it be okay with you? Can I pray? Can you join me in prayer for that community and for those relief efforts there? Father, if we were to take the time to think, and many of us in this room can already relate, but to imagine what it would be like to go through the things that they're dealing with, then beyond simply just sympathy for us to be able to be compassionate to do whatever we can, we realize that we share a broken world together and therefore also the opportunity to alleviate suffering through things like giving, through things like being moved to actually go to places and be able to help to alleviate. So we pray, God, for those that are dealing with the tragedies that are, continuing to seemingly accumulate in Houston over the days. We know it's gonna take a while for that community to come back together, but we pray that between now and whenever whenever that is, that through both emergency responders, the church, all those who are seeking to apply compassion in practical ways, that God, your presence, your healing mercy would be there for those that are dealing with the loss of life. We ask that God, you'd bring comfort for those that are dealing with the loss of property and homes. We pray for your comfort and that God, you would provide for them what they need in these days, both spiritually in areas of morale, but also practically, materially. So we entrust the situation into your hands and pray your blessing upon all those that are seeking to help to restore those communities, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well as I said we are closing the series down and one of the things that we realize which is a multi-generational challenge in the area of work is achieving work-life balance some folks actually say it's probably not even possible to do that real well but it's something that if we don't do it carefully we can actually walk through a series of misplaced priorities in how we are to achieve the the work-life balance Gordon Dahl 45 years ago he was quoted by saying this he's an author he said that middle-class Americans tend to worship their work, work at their play, and play at their worship. They worship their work, work at their play, and play at their worship, that's some whack stuff because a priority are really way off. So today I want you to join me in a reflection on what I consider to be one of the greatest road trips in all the Bible. It's the 40-year road trip of the nation of Israel. God delivering them out of slavery of Egypt through his servant Moses and bringing them across the wilderness as they're getting ready to enter into the promised land. They stand on the threshold ready to enter in. And a lot of the generations who came out of Egypt, they no longer exist. They've died because of disobedience and lack of faith in God. And God knows that as soon as they go into the promised land, that they could actually miss the blessings of a covenant relationship with God, not because of afflictions in the land, not because of adversaries, but because of amnesia. In other words, they would get to the place where they are prosperous and they would forget who God is, whose they are who brought them there and living under that priority. So God wants to make sure in gathering his family together, he's gonna speak to them to remind them of who they are and how they should enter into this brand new land. In Deuteronomy chapter six, they're at that threshold and God speaks to them in passages that are known as the Shema. Say that with me, Shema, and basically means listen, the Hebrew word for listen. But it's not listen like get ready to receive only audio signals and sound waves, it's listen, Pay attention and prepare to respond to what you hear and align your lives to what you're about to receive. And so in the honor of the reading of God's word, if you are able, I ask you to stand to your feet. There will be a phrase that will be on the screens in yellow. It'll be the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. When that phrase shows up, I'm going to ask you all to say that phrase out loud after some of these passages that I read. Here's God's word to his people, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Verse 4 starts, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of all good things you did not fill, cisterns you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord, your God, you shall fear him. You shall serve and by his name you shall swear. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. So in addressing the problem of work and life balance, because he knows that when they get there, work, worship, play, or rest are going to go out of, of tune. And so he says this word to them, one of the first things that God wants to make sure that they understand in living in a covenant relationship with God in the new land, like he wants us to know in our land, is number one, to revere the identity of God, to revere who God is, his identity. And in that passage, verse six, he kind of gives us an idea of who he is. He says, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. The Lord is in unity with himself. The Lord is supremely, transcendently unique. And here's one of the reasons why that's very important, is because in that particular day, much like ours, there's a polytheistic culture. In other words, a culture that believes in many gods. The problem with that is is that because of the gods, and the gods sometimes, they don't operate real well together, even though they're false gods. That's the thinking of the people. You could be in one day in favor with one god, but because of the capricious nature, the fact that sometimes they just change your mind on a whim, you can find yourself out of odds with another god at the exact same time, never knowing kind of where you stand. God comes to his people and says, I'm not like the false gods. I'm one God, and you can know where you stand because of my unified self. I'm supremely unique, supremely sufficient, all that you need, and I am your God. The God, unlike any of the other gods, this God comes to his people, initiates contact with them, reveals himself to them, and also invites them into a covenant relationship with just them so they can be his people and he will be their God. To understand the identity of God as this one who is unique, as a matter of fact, one of the most descriptive terms for God that shows up over and over again is the word holy. That word holy actually means distinct different unlike anything else and that is God so transcendently different and yet he comes to his people to say I want you to be my people and to live in covenant relationship with me which brings the second thing that God wants his people to understand is the priority of God the priority of God he says I am your God God all by myself God all alone your God only and all alone and therefore the way that we respond to a God like that he says Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, with all your strength. Mark chapter 12, 30, they'll add another one, all your mind, but that aspect of heart and mind is there in the Hebrew understanding. And basically, here's what he's saying. Love the Lord your God with every aspect of your life, that God is first and foremost in everything. If you're living in a covenant relationship with this almighty, heavenly God, then we do so on the basis of his grace to us, knowing full well that we need to put him first, that he is our top priority with everything that we do. But the way that that is expressed is through obedience. How do you know if you're loving God the way that he deserves to be loved? in obedience it's not about sentiment if he said something if he's leading something then his people respond by lining their lives with his purpose god is our authority god is our priority and loving him means we trust only and fully and completely and exclusively in him to direct our lives motivated by affection again the other gods in those days they don't come with affection They they come for people to be subservient. God comes with a desire to have an intimate, mutual, affectionate relationship with His people as they obey and follow in trust and affection with Him. What does that have to do with life and work balance? Around the early part of the 15th century, a man by the name of Nicholas Copernicus, some of you may remember that name, was responsible for formalizing what's known as the heliocentric theory. It, up until that point, the prevailing view was is that the earth was in the center of the universe and the sun, moon, planets, everything revolved around the earth that was stationary. Fifty years after Copernicus, Galileo, through a telescope, looks into the heavens and confirms the reality that, indeed, the earth is not stationary but moves. It's the sun that's in the middle and everything moves around the sun as the sun exerts gravitational impact and force on all the bodies. Here's where it comes to the point. God is not interested in being a part of our system, which puts us in charge. He comes to us, he is to be the heart of our system. You and I, we can't fit things. I mean, we're, 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 you know, work and family and recreation and God, no, we don't determine where God fits. We surrender our lives to God through trust and obedience and love, allowing him and his son, Jesus Christ to be the center, and he is the one who orders our life. Because quite frankly, even through our best efforts, sometimes still things get really mismatched and unbalanced. But if our lives are square and grounded in the authority and the reality of God, then no matter what happens in or outside of our system, we remain secure if the sun is central to all that we do. And through Jesus Christ, we can know the symmetry of order and peace and life as we surrender our control to him. Because here's the thing, in this world and in this road trip that we're taking right now, a lot of guides, but only one guide capable of leading us successfully through this life and into the next to the degree that we trust him. That's what God is trying to communicate to his people. As a matter of fact, not just to those who know him, but to all people that Love the Lord your God with every aspect of your being and that we can experience his blessings on his terms in this life. Something that we can apply across all levels regardless of what your marital status is. But God also has something very specific to say to families. And as far as families go in this church, I don't know of many people who have a greater passion to minister to families than our family ministries director, Matthew Haney. So would you please welcome him to the stage with me at this time? Matthew, thank you so very Thanks, much. Jonathan. I am looking forward to for them being able to hear from your heart and from God's word what God has to say about how to apply this whole life-work balance
2: to the families. So yeah. have at it. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, like Jonathan said, one of my true passions is to work with families and help them put Christ at the very center of their families. And I've had the joy of being able to work in the realm of family ministry for the last 20 years. And so I get pretty fired up. And when they ask me to come and talk about family life balance today... I have to admit, I was just a little bit excited. But before I jump into that, I kind of want to go back to this aspect of a road trip. And uh, I was thinking about what excites me about going on a road trip. You know, is it the, the idea of getting in that, that car and just going for that long drive? I really enjoy that. Or like Mike said, you know, I really enjoy having some good tunes to listen to as you're traveling down the road. But I really think for me, the thing that excites me the most is the idea of getting to enjoy new foods as you go to different parts of the country. Yeah. <laughs> there is something about pulling into that random truck stop and knowing that some of these foods are going to be really good or some of them are probably going to be really bad. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Come on. That is all part of the adventure of a road trip. And I think for me, the reason that I get so excited about that is I have a passion for cooking. There is something, when you talk about balance, there is something about putting a good, well balanced recipe together and being able to sit down and enjoy it. Thank you, Peter. You're welcome. All right. Thank Peter. Is he great? Give him a hand. (laughs) Now, for me, one of my favorite things to eat, I have to admit, is a really well done steak. I mean, this baby here is about two inches thick. It's got the nice grill marks on it. It's got some Jimmy Chira sauce on top of it. It look. But all that this, this steak needs and these green beans need to bring it into balance is just a little touch of salt. And to me, this is like perfection. But... If I sit here and I take this this steak, and I take the lid off this salt shaker, and I take and I pour this whole thing of salt on this beautiful steak, ah! Oh. <laughs> <Abomination. laughs> what happens to my steak? What happens to my recipe? It it's out of balance. There's too much salt. It is unedible. And in fact, if I eat this right now, it is downright unhealthy to my body. Well, in a lot of ways, that is exactly what's happening to our families today. Is that we've allowed ourselves to get out of balance and we're actually harming our families. In our child dedication class, one of the things I share with them is a study that was done by the Barner Group. And in this, they asked a group of parents a bunch of questions. And in this group, 80% of the parents admitted to spending less than one hour a week down on the floor playing with their kids. That means Barbies, Hot Wheels, dads letting your kids paint your toenails whatever color they want. We have forgotten that our kids, our families, are a gift from God. God intends us to be able to laugh, to play, and, yes, lead them spiritually. You know, in this same study, they list the top three time killers in our family today as our jobs, money issues, and, yes, technology. In that same study, the number went from 80% 80 to 87% of those same parents admitted to spending at least 20 hours a week watching TV or being on social media. We've let our families get out of whack. And it can happen to any of us. We become unbalanced. You know, when I first went into ministry, I was working a full-time job in an insurance company. And I was serving as a kids leader at a big church that had eight services a week. And yes, I was working all eight services. I knew God was calling me to work with kids. And I loved what I was doing. I was doing God's work. Until one day my son walked up to me and said, hey, Dad, when are you going to play with me like you play with the kids at church? Oh, talk about knife to my heart. Like Jonathan said earlier, I'd forgotten. I'd let my family get out of balance. So what do we do to help keep us in balance? Well, I just want to spend a little bit of time giving you some tools, parents, for your toolbox on kind of helping you to stay focused And stay in balance in your family. I think Jonathan, when he shared that scripture earlier today, if we look at Deuteronomy 6, specifically at verses 6 and 7, I think we see two of the most powerful scriptures that God gives our parents on how to raise our kids. Let me read them to you. It says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down, and when you rise. Parents, if we look at that first scripture, it talks about these commandments need to be in our hearts. I believe what God is calling us in this scripture to do is to make sure that we are strong in our own walks. Are we in God's word? Are we making Christ a priority in our lives? When we make Christ a priority in our lives, something changes in our family. It opens the door for us to be able to begin to model our faith to our kids. When, my wife, uh, when my, my wife and I, when our kids were young, we had three boys. They were all under the ages of 10 when this happened. But um, we used to get up in the morning, and the first thing we would do is do our couples' devotion time together before we ever got out of bed. And we finished up one morning, and we noticed that the house was strangely quiet. Now, all you parents out there know when you have three boys under the age of 10, what is the scariest sound that you can hear? Quiets. Because that usually means they're into something. And so we get up and we go looking all around the house. And do you know where we found our boys? They were laying in their beds reading their Bibles. And when we asked them what they were doing, they said, we're doing our devotions. We didn't tell them to do that. That, that happened because we were modeling our faith to our kids. One thing you'll always hear me say over and over again, our kids are always going to learn more by what they see us do than anything we tell them to do. Now, when we look at that second scripture, verse 7, it says, "...you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise." I believe what God is calling us to do, parents, in this scripture is we've got to get down into the lives of our kids. We need to turn off the technology. We need to turn off the things that are distracting us and keeping us from experiencing the full glory of God that God intends us to do in our families. You know, Nobel Prize winner uh, Desmond Tutu says this, and I love it. It's one of my favorite quotes when it comes to families. He says, you don't choose your family. They are a gift to you as you are to them. Parents, here's one thing I can tell you. The sooner that you take the time to get into the life of your child, the sooner they're going to be able to know they can trust you and that you really care about them. And as they grow and face those harder times in life and they need someone to go to, they're going to go to the people that they know that they can count on. And that they can trust, and parents, isn't that what God calls us to do for our children to be there for them? This is something we don't want to miss out. Finally, the last thing I want to share with you about uh, how you can stay in family life balance is, here's the fact: we cannot do it alone. We have an enemy that is actively trying to isolate us and keep us from experiencing the glory in our family the way God wants us to. God calls us to be in community. I was at a church in Texas, and one day my senior pastor issued this challenge to us. He said, I want to challenge the whole church today to go out and find a running partner. Now, he didn't mean a physical running partner because I'd have been out of there. I mean, I'm not a runner. <laughs> what he meant was someone that could run life with you. Someone that you could welcome into your life and be completely vulnerable with. Somebody that you could hold them accountable and they would hold you accountable to stay in balance. Hebrews ten twenty four through 25 says this. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as, the ha- as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day draw near. God intends for us to be in community with others. He doesn't want us to face life alone. So here's my challenge to you today. I want you to go out and spend time this week praying. Who is that running partner that you could invite into your life to help you stay balanced between a good family and a good life? Who is that person that you could welcome in and be completely vulnerable with, and you will let them hold you accountable? Because here's one thing I promise. I know that there is not a person in this room, whether you have kids or not, or they're grown and out of the house, there is not a person in this room today that wants to miss out on experiencing the full glory of God the way he intends for us to do. So today, I want to give you that challenge, and let's not miss out on that. Would you please thank Matthew? Brother, thank you very much. I'll take this. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Take take that away from me, please. (laughs) He mentioned the the aspect of accountability, and uh, we can't do this alone. God never intended for us to do this alone, meant to do this as a community. And we have life groups, we have a different, all different kinds of groups, but especially life groups for children, for youth and students, and for adults as well. And if you do not have a community, a group of people that you are doing life with, that you are pursuing spiritual growth and depth in Christ with, and experiencing community with, we encourage you for adults, we have our Life Group Connect that's coming up September the 18th and 20th, if you're looking for a men's group or women's group, couples group or mixed group, we encourage you. Do not do this life, this, this road trip by yourself. Get connected to a group of people who can do that with you. You'll encourage them. They can encourage you as well. Bottom line is, is that what Matthew just said, there are principles for all of us, regardless of whether we've got kids in the house or not, or empty nesters, or with single parents, single adults, or especially if you've lost someone. Or the issue here is this. As a family of God, all of us are called to strengthen our walk with God. All of us are called to model our faith in a way that can impact the life of others. All of us are called to be accountable, to experience encouragement as we do this journey together. Because here's the issue. In the call and the challenge for us to love the Lord our God with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and with our strength. Every aspect of our being. It helps us understand that becoming a member of the family of God starts with the priority of Jesus Christ as Lord. Jesus Christ must be Lord, and the only way to enter into the family of God is by acknowledging your need, the brokenness in your life, the separation that exists between us and God, and that through Jesus' sacrificial death, his sacrifice atones for our sins And as a foundation from which we can experience forgiveness from God, renewal, uh, reconciliation, to be actually entered into the family of God and by the resurrection life, his residence, his reign in and through us, that we are empowered to live lives placing God first and loving the people that are around us in ways that no matter how unbalanced things may be, our life is secure. It starts with making sure that in the center of our system, The Son, Jesus Christ, reigns as Lord. So I guess i got to ask you. Have you come to the place where you have trusted your life to Christ and become a member of the family of God first and foremost, recognizing your sins that need to be forgiven and your life that needs to be led by the greatest guide in the universe into the fullness of the will of God? If you've not done that yet, I encourage you. Actually, I plead with you to make that most important decision of your life, to say, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are, God in the flesh. I acknowledge my sin, and I acknowledge your sacrifice on the cross, your resurrection from the dead. So, Lord, I declare you to be my Lord, and I will follow you by your strength. If you were desiring to make that decision, and I encourage you on that Next Steps card that you've got in your seat backs, please fill that out and deposit those in the boxes on the way out. We'd love to connect with you. But if you're here today and you're like, yes, I I do follow Jesus and I I do love the Lord, although there's areas of brokenness in my life, then maybe today could be a brand new start for you to say, in light of this, Father, I realize the places I'm not loving you as I should, help me. Help me to surrender more of my life to receiving more of your influence, of your leadership in my house, in my home, with my family, at my work, in my life, that it will reflect your presence in it as well. Every single one of us can make a decision to decide we will not do this road trip in our own strength, but following the leadership of our guide. All the way into the fullness of a good and loving Heavenly Father. Amen.